0: Welcome to Kiwi Writer Podcast. My name is Ray here, and great to have you along joining me this week. It is uh, Matthew Day Gillett once again. I've managed to twist his arm hey for man. a second week in a row. Hey man, how you doing? Yeah, good, good. Just
1: trucking along. Uh, About to sit down and write the next issue of Kiwi Writers News. Uh, so, yeah, busy, busy.
0: Yeah, get that done because we're off on a Motomarini Matariki mission this weekend. Uh, more about that later in the podcast. Also, you've been <laughs> riding a uh, a fantastically looking blue motorcycle. Um, there's some news from Ducati and uh, there's a whole lot more about some Cardos coming up later in the show. But let's dive into the top five. And this week, Matt, it is the top five movie motorbikes. And we've talked about a few of Ooh. these over the years. In uh, at number five, uh, we're going to start with 1986. It is Top Gun and that fantastic Kawasaki GPZ 900R.
1: Oh, have you seen the latest
0: one? No, I haven't. Wa- I've, I haven't watched it. It's on my watch list. Don't ruin it. No oh, spoilers. The bike
1: makes a return. Does it? The 900 makes a return. Yeah. I think you just it's ruined half Gun, the Africa. movie for most Briefly, But it's there.
0: Yeah, so I, you've derailed me. I now want to just drop <laughs> what we're doing and go and watch that movie. Um... Do you know, it, it uh, had 115 horsepower, and the first production motorcycle to to exceed 240 kilometers an hour. Wow, not bad for a four banger, right? <laughs> In the mid 80s, too. It is the top five motorcycles from movies, and at number four, we're talking Quantum of Solace, the Honda Montesa uh, Honda Montesa Kota. Do you know which one we're talking about?
1: I do, it's a James Bond movie, and honestly, putting my moviegoer hat on, it is probably the most forgettable Daniel Craig Bond movie, <laughs> just
0: putting it out there. You're probably not wrong, but it was the same bike that was used in the Bourne Ultimatum a year earlier. Oh, but that's why it's not the top motorcycle on this list, because it's a little bit forgettable. Let's move on. Number three of the top five movie motorbikes, Kill Bill Volume 1. In this uh, movie, another Kawasaki, the ZZR 250. Nothing more to say. Not going to lie. I Not a
1: 250, but I kind of like the idea of grabbing like a mid-90s ZZR 600. It's like a sports tourer, because they're... Back in the day when they were sort of first out, they were quite sporty bikes, but now they're, by modern standards, those ZZRs are quite almost a lazy man's sports tourer, it's, or a cheap ass of sports tourer. Um, and they don't make bikes like that anymore, do they?
0: But we're going to stick with the 250s as we make our way through the top five this week movie motorbikes into number two. It is Rambo, First Blood. Do you know the bike, Matt? Uh,
1: Yamaha something or other. Yamaha XT250. Um, oh, the same thing they still sell.
0: Do they still sell
1: it on our shores? Yeah, the XT250 is still a thing. It's it's amazing how a movie can make a bike that, let's face it, we'd look at an XT250 and go, eh, like, it's a bike, it's got wheels and stuff, but it's not really that exciting. But you see it in a movie like First Blood, and... It looks astounding. <laughs> like the stuff you can make these things do in movies is beyond belief sometimes.
0: Yeah, a couple of quick cuts and maybe five uh, backup motorbikes in the shed out back. Yeah, oh yeah. And don't forget the um, awesome soundtrack that makes everything exciting. Absolutely. And well, big explosions. Tension. If Michael Bay's in there, it's some big explosions all right uh it is the list of the top five movie motorcycles number one and i've got a couple of bonuses to throw in after this one but number one the matrix reloaded and that awesome ducati 996 oh yeah those bikes stole the show You know, uh, that chick uh, that played uh, Trinity had never ridden a motorcycle before that movie. Yeah, there you go. Your your, your movie trivia knowledge is right up there. Um, (laughs) It's actually on the list in front of me as well, the name. Uh, She had never ridden a motorcycle before the filming of that movie, and Keanu Reeves Reeves taught her.
1: Wow. But he's like the biggest advocate of motorcycles I think the world has currently. Like, he's pretty low-key, but- as soon as anyone starts scratching the surface of Keanu Reeves, motorcycles just dribble out. Like there's that great meme um, that's doing the rounds about like addiction to motorcycles or whatever. And it's just him talking about not riding and it gives him the shakes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a couple of bonuses to throw in here though, because I I read this list out to my wife and she went, you've missed one. I'm like, I I know I've (laughs) missed a lot of motorcycles in movies, but what have I missed? She goes, the one. And I'm like, what do you What are you talking about? And bearing bearing bear in mind, my wife is not the Triumph Thunderbird from the Wild One. No, 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 no. She, my wife, is <laughs> not a motorcycle nut. But she's like the world's fastest Indian. It's in the title. <laughs> yeah, that.
1: There are that is definitely an omission from your list.
0: Yeah. So we've got a, a bonus in the top five is the world's fastest Indian. Um and there's a second bonus which I just can't go past, and that is the world's only two stroke XR one hundred R from the Terminator two. With thirty five gears.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say like if you're talking Terminator two, you've gotta talk the Harley Fat Boy.
0: That was on um, one of the lists that I used to reference this and create the top five this week. But um, for those that haven't paid attention, go and watch the Terminator 2 when John Connor is being chased down by the Terminator and the other Terminator and count the gears on the dirt bike that he's riding away from. And just for reference... Take, take note of the sound. It's the sound of a two-stroke, <laughs> but the XR100R is four-stroke. It is a definite difference.
1: Oh, it's like every movie, though. They always put in the sound of a four-cylinder, like a sport bike, when you get a vaguely sporty-looking bike that you know is a V-twin or a parallel twin. It's like, is it Yes Man, the Jim Carrey movie? And he rides a Ducati hyper strata in it and it sounds like it's an inline four. Oh, there's like, my it really ru- sound design really ruins a movie for me when they um Yeah,
0: go lowest common denominator on how something should sound. I haven't come across that one, but uh, there's my homework for the week. Um, So in a previous life, I made radio ads, as you know, Matt, uh, and I was sitting in a studio and I'd always be asked for, you know, if if I was making an ad for, say, for example, Mac on Yamaha in in Taranaki, I'd be asked for motorcycle sound effects. And I had to go back to the writer every time and say, okay, what what, what motorbike are we advertising here? Is it a dirt bike or a road bike? Because... We can't be putting a 250 dirt bike in an ad for uh, an MT10. and let me guess they would come back and go i have no idea let me come back to you pretty much yeah or let me see the script how about (laughs) i just write the ad for you the other one which is very unrelated but i gotta throw it in there is when um somebody says uh i i I want an ad with the sound effect of a v8 boat in the ad and i put a v8 car in there because it's the same engine and they go no that's a car (laughs) well what do you think a v8 boat sounds like it sounds more watery Well, you put a few waves in there anyway. But yeah, hey, anyway, well off topic. That is your (laughs) top five for another week. Have you thought about your motorcycle insurance? Protector Insurance do a massive range of motorcycle insurance. It's motorcycle insurance by motorcyclists for motorcyclists with some awesome benefits like they can give you the booking fee for your Ride Forever course back. They can cover not only your bike, but your gear as well, and they can do track day cover. So check out protectorinsurance.co.nz and get a quote today. I was incredibly surprised I even saved money on my policy. Protectorinsurance.co.nz. That's P R O T E C T A insurance.co.nz. And thanks, Protector, for sponsoring this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast. No. Righto, Matt, uh, you have a story up at onthrottle.co.nz. I saw the press release come through. It is the Ducati uh, Desert X, and there's a a documentary series coming out of uh, somebody riding it across the Fink Desert.
1: Yeah, not only that, they did it on a single tank of gas, which, let's face it, the Desert X, from what I understand, has a pretty decent sized tank on it. Plus, it can have an auxiliary tank as well which is very expensive and goes underneath the pillion seat at the rear of the bike. Um, yeah, it's quite astonishing stuff really. And so the thing, there's a race if you're not up with the play on it, which to be honest, I didn't really know about it much until now. Um, it's a race in Outback Australia and it essentially goes um, along some sort of service tracks uh, next to a road between a couple of Outback towns. And that's, I think, 200k one way to, and then you do it back the next day or same day. I think they go one day, one direction, next day they do the return leg. And yeah, Ducati Australia decided to chuck a Desert X into the race uh, and it was ridden by um, a rather you know, handy chap when it comes to riding bikes off-road. So Nick Selleck was uh, the man behind the bars and, yeah, so it was a 460-kilometer return adventure from Alice Springs to Fink. That's where the Fink in the Fink Desert Race comes from. And, uh, yeah, it was completely factory standard Desert X, which means, yeah, it's that's quite uh, quite the accomplishment there.
0: 460 k's to a tank, and I bet you he wasn't going slow. Plus, it's, you know, there's, there's a bit of bulldust out there, you know a few revs involved to get through some of those sandy sections um, so he's done quite well 460 k's to a tank definitely using the auxiliary tank there because I, I mean I've ridden the Desert X and it's not it is a big tank but it's not a massive tank it's not like a global touring bike um, but a, a good effort Uh, Looking forward to that uh, documentary series coming out and having a good watch of that. I've never heard of the Fink Desert before I started watching Riding with Tom, and he did his big trip around Australia and went through the Fink, and I think they actually caught a leg or a section of the Fink Desert when they were out on that trip.
1: Yeah, that was, man, it took them a while to get that series out. Um, But if you haven't watched it, um, yeah, hit up YouTube, Riding with Tom, all one word. Um, That dude's got some sweet dirt bike videos and uh, I think he's currently writing. I don't actually know what he's currently writing because he keeps writing things off. Um, he's KTM 500, I think, um, is a Jill sport.
0: Yeah. And he's got a mate that has a T7. Yeah, he's got a cool channel too. Uh, so if you want to know more on <coughs> yes. that story, go to onthrottle.co.nz. Matthew, you have been, uh, I've been avoiding your content lately because you've been making me jealous. Um, <laughs> I hopefully, hopefully we're allowed to talk about it. You've got a, a beautiful blue machine powered by a CP2 engine uh, floating around your place. We have recently. Uh, you've been out riding the Yamaha R7.
1: Yes, I had to give it back today, unfortunately. It was my time was up. Um, yeah, um, honestly, it's that CP2 engine, even in the 655cc form, is such a gem of an engine. Um sounds great. It, the torque's lovely. The power delivery's just, um, the R7. You can
0: see why I've been commuting on one for the last, uh, going on, eight years.
1: Yeah, Um I didn't have particularly good fuel economy. I think I had an average of 5.4 litres per 100 kilometres. Um, but in fairness, I was a decent chunk of that was um, cruising, we'll use the word, um, along the Waikato Expressway, um, and the rest of it was absolutely belting it <laughs> on the way down to the Whakamaru Dam and back where there's some rather nice twisties that I enjoy riding on in um, a great photo spot. Yeah. Um, but if you're listening, please don't steal my photo spot. It's my special photo spot.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it the photo spot that you sent me a video of with a guy doing a mangina or something on Google Earth?
1: No, not that one. But that's um, <laughs> that's somewhere around Lake Carapiro where I have stopped a couple of times thinking, hmm, wonder if this would be a good place to do a photo and yeah I somehow I don't even know how that came across my feed but then I was like all right well that there goes that place I'm
0: never going there again <laughs> um, <laughs> so Yamaha r7 it's got uh the engine that we've covered quite substantially on the channels before um but talk to me about the uh the riding position uh and 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 would it make a good commuter I mean definitely a good a good um, weekend warrior track bike I'm assuming yes oh it's
1: the way I sort of started thinking about it is um, I remember watching an old, old um, dirt everyday video on YouTube years ago. And he was talking about this four wheel drive. He had that he called under engined, over axled, basically meaning it's got the cream of the crop suspension. It's got fantastic suspension, but um, the engine's a bit understressed. It's a bit calm, but you can just tackle everything he wants. And that's sort of how I was thinking of the R7. It's got a nice, easily controllable we'll put it cp2 engine but then the chassis it has got adjustable suspension front and rear um the one i was riding had the optional quick shifter fitted which is a 400 to 500 dollar accessory um full race riding position like i've heard some people call it a roomy um sport bike but as someone who doesn't typically ride sports bikes anymore, it was quite a shock to the system to swing a leg over it and go, oh, that's right. It's a wee bit tighter to what I'm used to.
0: Is it a little more upright than the R6? Just a fraction? I
1: haven't ridden an R6 for a number of years, so I can't really comment. Um, I briefly had an R6 for a week, I think, back in 2014 or 15. Um, so, yeah, can't. Really, comment, but the R6 has basically been relegated to a track-only bike. So the R7 kind of makes a lot of sense if you're buying. You want a sporty bike, but you want a road bike that you can actually have fun on. Because the way I see the likes of, say, the MT10 and the R1 is they're just too much engine, too much power, and to really let loose on them and really have a bit of fun on them, you will really push and go to jail speeds um unless you're at the tracks and yeah the whole idea of a you've got that great chassis um but you've got an enjoyable engine that's yes it can get you into a lot of trouble in terms of speed um if you want to but you got to work at it Uh, and it's just a it was just a joy to flick corner to corner uh eventually got my groove back and started to really enjoy the thing uh there were a couple of things that were a little bit wasn't too stoked with the um, positioning of the um, LCD dash was a little bit hard to see behind um, like brake lines or clutch lines um, and at times it was was right. and when I was riding along to bring it back today, the way the sun was reflecting off the anodizing on the top of the forks, it actually looked like I had like a warning light on the dash because it was this beautiful gold anodizing and it was reflecting back onto the dash and I was going, wait, do I have a, do I have a warning light? And I was like, oh no, it's just that, um, which was yeah, a silly thing to sort of be going, Oh, that's a warning. But also like you'd get used to it, but also you'd be, Hmm, I don't know. Um,
0: For a non-Yamaha fanboy listeners, um, it's just occurred to me that we haven't actually said what uh, that engine is in, uh, apart from the fact it's a CP2. So you were riding the the CP2 655, the Lambs edition of that engine, which is what comes out in the Lambs MT-07. But it's the same engine that's in the Tenere 700, only it's not sleeved down to 655. So it's 689. It's a full um, high output, if you want, version. If you get the high output MT-07, that's the engine you get. It's the same engine that's in the Tracer 700 as well, um, and the XSR 700. I
1: forgot about those models. So I was looking at it going, well, we've got an adventure bike, we've got a naked, and we've got a sport bike so when's Yamaha going to give us a CP2 powered scooter because that would
0: be hilarious CP2 powered step through um, now I was so I met with a young fella by the name of Zeke uh, when I was down at RS Motorcycles getting the T7 sorted with the uh, YSS suspension and he showed up on his R7 and I was a little bit disappointed to hear because uh, they did a suspension set up for him that he at bare minimum needed heavier weight oil um, potentially would benefit from a respring or a uh, cartridge setup in the forks on that bike. Uh, the shock apparently is okay, it's not terrible, it's better than the MTO7s, it's better than the, MTO 7s. It's better than the uh, T7 from Factory uh, for what it's made for, it's not an adventure for, uh, shock I should say. Um, but he went in and got uh, heavier fork oil uh, which slowed things down and, and made it better for him to ride. And he's reasonably happy with that, but at last I heard he's tossing up whether he's going to keep that bike forever, in which case he'll do um, uh, YSS... um. Or equivalent uh, cartridge setup in that bike, so a little bit disappointing to hear that Yamaha's still scrimping a bit on the suspension on those bikes. They're still seeing them as, uh, I guess, learner or lower powered um, bikes, so they're lower speaking the the suspension. Which I think it's more that they're su- setting them up for lighter
1: riders. Um, Because it's still pretty, I didn't really have any complaints with it and I was riding it just on the road Um, and yeah, hitting a pothole really does smack it into your perineum, which was a bit shocking. Um, But yeah, I didn't really have any complaints, but I wasn't pushing the limits or anything on it as well. I was riding on wet roads and all that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, I think basically, I think most manufacturers are guilty of this is they set up a bike for some that weighs about 70 kilos, um, which I think is like the global average weight or something. And unfortunately for fat bastards like me, I weigh significantly more than that. Um, but yeah, I still rated it. It definitely was better than
0: the MTO7 suspension how I remember that. Well, it's actually adjustable, which the MTO7 suspension isn't.
1: Yeah. Um, and I didn't really bother flicking around with the clickers or anything, so I didn't really have time to dial them in or anything. So as it was... Um, I had no complaints, but yeah, if you're riding hard and you want to get the bike set up for optimum performance, you will want to... Get your suspension dialed, in, just like we've done with our adventure bikes, dial in your suspension.
0: Well, if you if you want to, I think I think it goes a little bit further than that, Matt. Um, if you want to go out for a day's riding and you don't want to be beaten up, you don't want to be the second kid on that trampoline. You would, be a minimum, want to set your uh, your rear shock. So go and, um, and and get that, you know, get that looked at. Mm. Get, get a mate to help you. Look up some YouTube videos or whatever you need to do. Um, but if you want to find out more about that bike, Matt, you're going to have some content coming out on onthrottle.co.nz and on the YouTube channel.
1: Yes, so uh, YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash c slash onthrottle um, or at onthrottle. I um, haven't actually seen the, anyone actually bother use that whole at symbol that they added to YouTube yet. But um, yeah, I'll have something coming out on that in the nearest future. I do have a couple of other projects that I need to finish first um but that will be coming out shortly and i did take some pretty pictures at the dam which will also come out um and for those who actually um have joined my buy me a coffee membership um i chuck up high full resolution full resolution downloadable images up there for supporters of on throttle which um yeah so instead of a 1200 pixel wide it's the full hd full size uh, image download which is a nice little thing that
0: I do. (laughs) You can use that as your wallpaper. Um, Brilliant. R seven, looking forward to seeing that. Let's get into some Cardo chat, Matt, um, which will lead us into our weekend mission. Um, Cardo have uh, so, oh yeah, hey, Mm. ooh, look at that, charging my right now. (laughs) Um, So I think it's going on eighteen months ago. Um, Cardo replaced. Oh, we're running out of time according to Zoom. We're going to get this done in nine minutes. Cardo replaced the Pack Talk Bold with the Pack Talk Edge, the top of the Monty, the full fat, the very expensive unit, which is um, it is. Sound by JBL, it's got voice commands, it's got dynamic mesh uh, communication, DMC2, it's got a USB C fast charger, all the good stuff. And everyone in the world went, ah, it's awesome, but it's too expensive, Cardo, make it cheaper. So Cardo released <laughs> the Talk Neo, uh, which is, in my opinion, a great move. Cardo have removed the magnets in the base. They've taken away the connections in the base and given you all the same functionality of the pack torque edge uh, in a unit that you have to plug into the wiring loom on your helmet, mat. So you still have the same... Um, mount on your helmet, very similar mount on your helmet. It clicks on and you plug the wiring lumen via the USB C. Downsides to that, you can't charge it while you're using it, but you still get 13 hours talk time um, and you get all the mounting options in the in the PackTalk Neo as you do with every other Cardo product. So you talk in the speakers, a whole bunch of um, spaces and sticky mounts. You've got a sticky mount microphone, you've got a boom microphone, you've got a clamp mount for the Cardo unit itself. All Or an adhesive mount, and it all comes in the box. Um, PackTalk Neo saves a bit of money. I think you save about 150, 200 bucks on that unit, um, and it's available now in New Zealand. Um,
1: How's the waterproofing on that compared to our fancy edges that we got? Because if you've got to plug in a USB C or whatever plug into it, does that um, affect the waterproofability of it? Because that's the whole thing with Cardos and why we sort of switched, isn't it?
0: Smartphones, a lot of smartphones, and I think Apple are going to it soon, uh, are you going to USB-C? Most smartphones are IP67 rated, and I know the Apple uh, phones definitely are, which means they're basically waterproof. You can drop them in the bath, and they're going to be fine. But they don't have anything over the plug, right? Um, so I think we've we, what we've come to is a technology, a level of technology where you can get water in the plug, and it's not going to short-circuit anything, which basically... All of Cardo's stuff is claimed to be waterproof. Some is IP67 rated. Others are just waterproof, in inverted commas, which means that if your unit dies due to water ingress, Cardo will back it up. They will replace it. Yeah. Regardless of where the water got in. Um, the PackTalk units, the PackTalk edge has a flap, which goes down the back and tucks in nicely. That keeps the mm-hmm. water out of the plug. The, uh, the what are they? the, uh, Freecom units, they just have a little flappy flap that doesn't actually fasten down, but that seems to keep the water out of the plug. So they're all yep. waterproof. Um, the talk Neo, sorry, be quiet. The talk Neo doesn't have a flappy flap over the USB C plug because you've got USB C plugged into it all the time yep. because that's the wiring loom. I think that's probably more waterproof than the talk Edge. Um, if we're being honest but it doesn't seem to matter they're still yeah. saying it's waterproof right. it still says waterproof on the box um, you've got uh, two UE, two bluetooth connections one for your phone one for your GPS or one for your phone one for your mate who has no taste and has a sinner um, <laughs> natural voice operation as I said waterproof and over the air updates paired to that Cardo app on your phone you also don't have to remember the um, the, the button combinations to make things happen because it's all on your phone that is the Talk Neo and I'm rushing through that because there's one more i wanted to talk to you about matt and that was the pack talk custom i've got that uh. in my hand and there was a big uproar when Cardo released the pack talk custom and said yep there's a subscription plan and everyone's like i'm not paying to use the features that are in my other cardos on this but i wanted to dispel a couple of rumors because it seems to make sense to me so, PacTalk Custom, out of the box, it's the same form factor as the Talk Neo, very, very similar to the PacTalk Edge. Yeah. Uh, you've got DMC2, you've actually got an IP67 rating, you've got over-the-year updates. Out of the box, without paying for a subscription, you've got uh, DMC2 connection, you've got one Bluetooth connection, um, you've got access to that the app, you've got 40mm HD speakers, um, and 13 hours talk time, 1600m range, with up to... 15 riders on dmc2 you got three levels of subscription so you can add in a bunch of features which if i'm honest aren't features i've probably ever used
1: yeah that's the thing that i've sort of seen as sort of and even uh we've never used up to 15 riders either with the connections with the dmc2 or anything Uh, They're nice to have a lot of those features but you don't necessarily need them do you?
0: No you don't you really don't Uh, the only features and I'm just bringing up the website now hopefully we can get this done in the four minutes that Zoom says we've got left Um, the only features that I've probably ever used are the second Bluetooth connection which basically means that uh, if you're writing as I said with somebody who doesn't have a cardo they've got a Senna or some other random brand communication system you would connect to them via Bluetooth you'd have a shorter range to them but you would be connected Via Bluetooth, and you'd be able to use your your systems, right? Um, I've gone to Cardo Outdoor. I wanted custom. Hang on, two seconds. We might have to stop our Zoom and start again. So, out of the box, without paying for a subscription, you've got DMC two. You can connect up to fifteen riders. As we just said, yep, that is a huge number of riders, and you're never going to need it, really, are you? Three levels of subscription: Silver. You get it's going to cost you US two ninety nine a month, or 20 bucks a year. Um, you're going to get music sharing, so you can play music in your system and share that to everyone in the group. Who really wants to, to do that? You you're Nobody not wants like, that. You don't want my music. Um, you've got three audio profiles, um, which are the JBL audio profiles. So it's basically equalization and speed dial. So that's what you get for silver. For gold, $5 a month US or $30 a year, you're going to get a uh, universal Bluetooth connection with that uh, second um, Bluetooth channel. Um, you get music sharing the audio profiles and speed dial so you know it's not stuff you're going to use and the third level of um, subscription is $7 US a month or $40 a year you get the voice commands you get eco mode which saves battery basically turns off DMC if you're not using it you get the second Bluetooth channel you get music sharing audio profiles and speed dial so you don't need to pay the extra money to get this if you are someone that's going to use those features don't buy the custom spend a little bit extra but don't have the monthly cost or the yearly cost get the neo or the pack edge if you don't need those features or you might one day need them for a a week or two, then get the custom, save yourself uh, a good chunk of change. We're talking about uh, 200 bucks thereabouts. It's a bit cheaper than the Neo Um, and, and get yourself the pack talk custom. Now this is, this is where I'm at with this, Matt. I'm going to be running the pack talk custom on our trip coming up this weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to be running the pack talk. I'll be running, running my edge because it's currently set up on my helmet. Great. No, no, dramas um but uh, i'm going to be using the custom because i know that though, that feature set is going to be fine for us two people riding i'm going to be listening to music 13 hours talk to- talk time and i may need to ring the wife or take a phone call at some point which brings us to the matariki mission the moto marini matariki mission so i've had a moto marini cms six and a half in my garage uh, by the way if you want to know more about the customs go to moto nz.com or uh, cardosystems.co.nz um I've had a Motomarini CMEs six and a half in my garage for the last six months. I need to give it back very soon. Matt, you've got an X-Cape in your rumpus room. Yeah, <laughs> I've had it for two months
1: and I've not ridden it enough. And
0: I think we need to get out there and get cold on a midwinter mission, a Matariki mission and because of, I like the the alliteration a Motomarini Matariki mission. Um, it's been, can you believe it, four and a half years since we did a lap of Taranaki on our, uh, on our old bikes.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's about time we went and said- what's different because uh state highway 43 has been really updated um so it's been a good three years since i've even been down there or four i think i did state highway 43 before we went and did the molesworth together a few years ago so um it's been a while since i've been down there so it'll be interesting to see what's going on in the red
0: yeah i think we should get out and get it and get it done and and but like we can't really go east because it's kind of stuffed up due to that cyclone I don't really want to stay on State Highway 1, and I want to kind of avoid um, National Park and Desert Road because it's just going to be too damn cold. So um, let's go and do uh, – oh, it looks like Zoom's dying on us. Let's go and do um, Mount Taranaki. Uh, we're going to f- uh, record next week's episode of the podcast uh, on the road. Um, I'll tell you what, the CM has been a job to actually get luggage on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've been struggling. I've got a tank bag on the tank, and I have I think I've got a 20-litre um, pack on the tail, and that's pretty much all I can manage. It's There's not a lot of room on that pillion. You're only really going away for a night. You don't need a pack the kitchen thing. the cameras, tank. man. It's the cameras. <laughs> um, so that's next week. Uh, so tune in for that right here on Kiwi Rider Podcast. Uh, he's been Matt. I've been Ray. Zoom's cut him off, uh, so we'll end it there. Uh, make sure you check out OnThrottle.co.nz and Matt's channel on YouTube. Just search out on throttle nz my channel moto nz uh on youtube or moto and the latest episode or edition of kiwi rider magazine is live and free for you to read comes out twice a month at kiwirider.co.nz he's been matt i've been ray this is kiwi rider podcast i'm looking forward to sharing our mission next weekend with you have a great long weekend won't you this is uh, kiwi rider podcast keep the rubber side down throttle on and we'll catch you in seven days time